Amen. Amen. Good morning, Golden Corner Church. I'm thrilled to death to see you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much. You have no idea what it means to us to see you here. Uh, I want to just throw something out there at you and wonder if you're noticing something. Just over the past few weeks, I'm just noticing a, a more distinct sense of the presence of God at Golden Corner Church. I feel Him moving. I see Him working. And uh, I stood back there during both services and just prayed this prayer for all of you. God is up to something here. My prayer was, God, I don't want anybody to miss out on it. I want us to get in on whatever this is you've got going on. He's in the house today. I'm convinced he's here to do something big for somebody. Somebody in this room before the morning's out. I'm going to do my best to answer a question that I think has been circling in somebody's mind for quite a while. And the question is, where do we turn when there's nowhere else to turn? Life can be tough. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Every one of our stories would include some painful, dark chapters before it's over with. We don't know the day nor the hour that some life-altering problem is going to blindside us. That's not a newsflash to many of you. I'm talking to somebody today who is fighting furiously to save your marriage. I'm talking to somebody who is frantically treading water just trying to stay afloat financially. I'm talking to somebody who is plagued by a lingering illness that is stealing your health, stealing your joy, stealing your focus, and in some ways, stealing your money. Or perhaps it's not you Who's sick, but you're having to watch somebody that you care for very much go through this kind of physical struggle. I don't know what problem has blindsided you, but I'm going to guess that you've done everything that you know to do to make the situation better. And instead of getting better, there's a real good chance that it's getting worse. And maybe you didn't ask the question out loud, but Somewhere in the recesses of your heart and your mind, you've been asking, where in the world do I turn because I don't feel I've got anywhere I can turn? Well, I want to tell you a story found in the Bible that I think answers the question. It's found in the New Testament book of Mark chapter 5. It's also found in the New Testament book of Luke chapter 8. It is set in the coastal community of Capernaum, And there dwelled there a man named Jairus, who was the leader of the synagogue, which means he administrated the community place of worship. 
Because of his position, I feel like he was well-known. I, I think he was well-respected. And his position may have allowed him to live a better life than most people were living until he discovered that his 12-year-old daughter was very sick. i got to believe, the man's name was Jerison, and i got to believe that Jerison, his wife, as loving parents would do, would make sure that their daughter got the best available medical care. Maybe they started with their family physician who referred them to a team of specialists who eventually sent them to the medical university and the little girl was subjected to a a battery of tests and a variety of treatments that ended up in a physician's office. With a doctor looking across his desk at Jairus and his wife and saying, we're sorry, but there is nothing we can do. Your little girl is dying. Now from that moment, Jairus and his wife had to helplessly watch as this disease or this illness took a little more of their daughter's life with every passing day. One day, Jairus heard that Jesus and his men were in town. And when he heard that, something awakened inside of him. I believe it was faith. And so Jairus excused himself, and he went looking for Jesus, and he found him down on the seashore. And he was teaching, and the Bible said a large crowd had gathered. Now, you're probably not talking about 50 or 60 people. You're probably not talking about five or 600 people. There were probably thousands of people. It wasn't uncommon for thousands of people to show up to hear him teach. Now, common courtesy would have told Jairus, wait until Jesus is through, and wait until he dismisses the crowd, and then go up and see if you can get a time to talk with him. Well, he was too desperate to be courteous. Jairus just began to walk through the crowd. Jesus is teaching. He's walking straight to Jesus. He is zeroed in on him. He is focused. I'm sure that Jesus saw him coming. I got a feeling tears were just flowing down Jairus' face. I believe Jesus stopped what he was doing and waited just a moment. And Jairus got to Jesus and he just collapsed in a heap on his knees. And he began to tell Jesus his story. I believe that as he talked, all the emotions that had to be building up inside of him during this whole ordeal, just I believe they began to come out, the fear The confusion, the frustration, I believe it's just boiling out in his conversation with Jesus. And he said, Jesus, I've come to ask a personal favor of you. Will you come home with me? Now, would you stop what you're doing? Would you come to my house and and, and lay hands on my little girl and heal her so she could live? What do you think Jesus would do? You know what he did? He said, okay. Okay, I can just see him kind of turn into the guys and pack our things up. We're about to leave. Dismissed the crowd. But the crowd, the word must have been spreading. Somebody must have asked, what's going on? I mean, he kind of ended that abruptly. Somebody said, I tell you what, he's about to go to this man's house and 
He's going to perform a miracle. So rather than dispersing, the crowd pressed in on Jesus even more tightly. Nobody wanted, if he's going to do a miracle, nobody wanted to miss that. So they're all pressing in on him. And in that crowd, there was a desperate woman. She had been very sick for a long time. For 12 years, she had suffered with chronic bleeding. It was probably some type of menstrual disorder. And the Bible says, in spite of the fact that she had been under the constant care of a team of physicians, her situation did not get any better. It only grew worse. Now she found herself at a place in her life where she had no hope of it ever of improving physically, and she didn't have any money left to get any more medical treatment. The Bible says that in that condition, she heard that Jesus and his men were in town. Something awakened inside of her, and I believe it was faith. The Bible said she came to the conclusion that if I could get to him and just touch him, I believe that he will heal me. So she went to the seashore that day on mission. She came looking for Jesus. Now, she was courteous. She took her place in the crowd, and she sat patiently. She listened to Jesus teach. I believe she was waiting on the conclusion of the service so that she could go up and touch him and be healed. Well, all of a sudden, the service is over, and people flock around Jesus, and he's moving on. And I believe she kind of went into a state of panic, and like, it's now or never. And she began, i I've, I got to imagine she was kind of frail. She'd been sick for 12 years, but that didn't hinder her. She began to press through that crowd, determined she was going to get close enough to him to touch him. And I kind of see her maybe taking a swing, and, and she missed, and maybe another swing, and she missed. And then finally, she touched him. She just touched his coat. Immediately she felt the bleeding stop. She knew, I am healed. It's over. It happened just as I believed it would. Can you imagine the sense of relief? Can you imagine the level of joy? I believe she's standing there in absolute ecstasy. And all of a sudden, you know, this moment is interrupted when she hears Jesus ask, who just touched me? And he's looking around the crowd and he says, which one of you just touched me? And the disciples leaned in and said, hey boss, look, uh, besides this crowd, it could have been anybody. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. Power just flowed out of me. And he looked into the crowd and said, now who, who touched me? This woman recognized she was not going to go unnoticed. The Bible said she stepped forward, trembling in fear. You say, what was she afraid of? Well, according to Mosaic law, she was unclean, and it was wrong for her to touch anybody, and she's terrified that Jesus is going to be upset with her that she touched him. So she comes forward, and then she falls on her knees. And she starts telling Jesus her story. The long, difficult road she had traveled. The awakening of hope. How she waited patiently and worked diligently to get to him, believing that if I could just touch you, you'll heal me. And then she began to tell him, and it happened. I'm healed. Jesus looked at her and he said, daughter. I'm thinking now, don't hold me to this, but I think I'm right. I think it's the only person he ever referred to as daughter. I do know this. It was an expression of deep affection. And he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. 
You trusted in me enough to get to me, and I've taken care of the situation. And then he told her, go in peace. Had to be the first peace she had experienced in well over a decade. And while Jesus is talking to her, some messengers came from Jairus' house. And I believe Jairus saw him coming, and he had to know by the look on their face, they're, they're bringing bad news. And they walk up to Jairus and said, uh, Your little girl, she died. So, man, there's no need to bother Jesus with this anymore. She's gone. Jesus overheard what they were saying. And he stepped up to Jairus. And I've always pictured in my mind that Jesus stepped between the messengers and Jairus. I believe he said, look at me. Look at me. Don't look at them. You look at me. And he said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. He was saying, listen, you trusted me enough to come here and ask for my help. And I know things have gone from bad to worse. But I'm asking you to keep trusting me. Don't you be afraid. Just believe and everything's going to work out okay. Jesus turned to the crowd and said, no further. You're going no further with us. He said, just Jairus and three of my disciples. They go to Jairus' home and they get there. Man, there are mourners everywhere. There are people all outside the house and they're weeping and wailing. And they're inside the house weeping and wailing. And they're playing funeral music. And Jesus walked up and he said, what is this? Why is everybody so sad? Why are you mourning? Because this little girl is not dead. She's just sleeping. Now, wait a minute, Ronnie. Was she dead? She was stone cold dead. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, her condition is only temporary. Give me a minute. Just give me a minute. You know what the people, you know how the people responded? The Bible said they laughed at him. They thought he was a fool. What kind of fool is this? You're not going to believe what Jesus did next. Jesus made all the mockers and all those who were laughing leave. That's the way the Bible reads it. He made them leave. I believe it went something like this. He said, folks, uh, get out or I'll throw you out. He cleaned house. He took this brokenhearted set of parents and his three disciples and he went into the bedroom of this little girl and he walked over. He took her lifeless hand and he said, little girl, get up. Amazingly, her color came back into her cheeks. I believe they could see her chest heave as she began to breathe. Her eyes opened. The Bible said she jumped out of the bed and walked across the floor to, I believe, some overjoyed parents. And then Jesus said, got two commandments here. Commandment number one, feed that girl. I think she's hungry. He said, commandment number two, don't tell anybody about this. And I mean, really? Come on now, Jesus. I think you're wasting your breath on that. I'm going to have to break that commandment. Now, what did I want you to see in this story? I wanted you to see two people. Three, Jairus and his wife and this woman. Who awoke one day to a life-altering problem. That just wouldn't go away they did everything they knew to do 
everything. And the situation didn't get better. It got worse. And in these events, in this story, they learned a valuable lesson that I got to pass on to you. When there's nowhere else to turn, we can turn to Jesus. And I'm going to encourage you this morning to turn to Jesus just as quickly as you can. Two reasons. One, Jesus cares. I mean, think about this situation. Jesus has got, they got a church service going on. And he's speaking to thousands of people who have altered their schedules to be there when he taught. I'm sure that what he was saying was of eternal importance. And all of a sudden, a guy comes walking up right in the middle of the service and says, would you mind dismissing them and doing me and my family a personal favor? And Jesus said, not at all. I'm in. Why would he do that? He cared for Jairus. He cared for Jairus' wife. He cared for that little girl. That's why. And I want you to understand that he cares for you. I know what some of you are thinking, well... You know, I know that he cares for the church corporately. I need you to understand that he cares for you individually. Look at a verse in the Bible with me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. The apostle Peter encourages believers, give all. Do you see that? All your worries and cares to whom? God. Why? For he cares for you. You do understand what you're being encouraged to do here? Anything that's creating an excessive burden on you. Anything that's causing you to be afraid, anything that's making you worry, this is what Peter is telling you to do. Take whatever that is and offload it and let Jesus carry it. You stop carrying it and you let him carry it. And Jesus is saying, that's what I want to do for you. I want to carry that for you. And why would he do that? Well, the Bible's very clear because he cares for you and you and you. There's a second reason I want you to turn to him, because Jesus can. With one touch, he did for this woman what an entire medical community couldn't do in 12 years. With four words, he did for Jairus and his family what no human being could have ever done. I think there's a great lesson in this for us. And the lesson is this. Jesus is so powerful that there's no such thing as a situation gone too far that he can't reverse it, that he can't fix it. I'm not doubting that some of you are facing absolute impossibilities. Things that are impossible for you, but you need to understand that what's impossible for you is possible for Jesus. What's impossible for you is actually easy for Jesus. So I want you to turn to him. To do that, you've got to believe. What did Jesus tell Jairus? Believe. What did he commend the woman for? Her faith, your faith has healed you. You've got to believe that Jesus cares for you personally. You've got to believe that he can handle whatever this situation is. But I think you've got to take it one step further. You've got to believe he will. This woman, with the, prob- the chronic bleeding, she believed that if I touch him, how did she word it? I will be healed. I will. And when you and I really believe, you know what we do? We turn, and once we turn toward him, here's what we do. We pray. Somewhere along the way, we have to find ourselves in the presence of Christ. And we humble ourselves on our knees. 
and we admit, I've tried everything and nothing's working. It's getting worse. So I've come here to give this to you. I can't handle it. I can't go any further. I'm offloading. Here it is. It is yours. You take it and you do what you alone can do with it. Now this morning I want you to understand that I'm not necessarily here as a preacher. I'm not necessarily here this morning as a teacher. You know, my capacity this morning, I'm the facilitator. This is what I felt the Lord said to me this week. All you need to do Sunday, Ronnie, is get them to me. You get them to me. And you get out of the way. Some of you walked in this place and your heart is so heavy for someone. I mean, it's just heavy. You, just like Jairus carried this burden for his daughter. And he ends up in, on his knees in front of Jesus begging for his daughter's life. You walked in here and there's somebody heavy on your heart. Somebody that you've tried every way in the world to help. And you see it's beyond you. You know what Jesus is saying? I'll take it. I'll take them. You, you don't have to carry that burden anymore. You bring them to me. Some of you, it's not someone, it's something. It's something that you've been battling with, something that you've been facing, and it's just worn you out. You know what he's saying? Bring that situation to me. You find yourself at my feet. You humbly give that to me. You trust me with it. I'm going to ask everybody here to bow their heads and close their eyes. I think Brock and Tim are coming back to do some music. Let's create a private moment here in a public setting. And I know that you can pray, and you can pray effectively right where you're sitting. Something inside me is telling me that I need to open up this altar this morning. Oh, Jairus wasn't ashamed. He walked right down in front of that entire crowd and he got on his knees before Jesus and he said, here's my story and here's what I need. Will you help me? And I believe, I believe this. I believe that there's some of you and that's exactly what you need to do is right now slip out of your seat and you need to find yourself a place right here at this altar. And I think there's some people that you need to offer over to the Lord and say, will you help them? Will you take over in this situation? Will you do for them what I am incapable of doing? I think there are some situations that some of you walked in here with and you need to place those at Jesus' feet and say, I can't handle it. I've tried to handle it. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. I'm frustrated. What good news to know that Jesus cares so much for you that he would say, offload that burden. Don't carry it anymore. I'd like to take care of that for you. Man, he's wanting to do something big for somebody in this church today. I want to ask you to do this. Man, if you feel some inner compulsion to be on your knees up here at the altar, come. Come right now. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. 
You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Father in heaven, thank you for being a personal God. willing to get personally involved in everything that's weighing us down, everything that's distracting us, everything that's discouraging us. Thank you for being willing to do that. Thank you for being willing to step in and take the junk off of our shoulders and to carry it for us. Father, I pray that this morning that burdens are being transferred, that people walk out of here with peace. Understanding that you're going to take it from here. Oh God, I pray this, that in the next few days, that it will become obvious that you have done something incredible for them. Please, demonstrate your power the way you did in this story. And God, we're going to be faithful, we're going to be grateful, we're going to be praising you for all that you do. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you for, for coming. I want to thank you for patiently listening. And I'll tell you what I pray. I pray that you guys have a better week next week than you've had in a long, long, long time. I love you. You're dismissed.